Hey everybody, it's Pastor Mike, and I want to say thank you for joining us today at LifePoint Church. We believe Sundays are an opportunity for you to know God. We also believe small groups, the best thing we do, are your opportunity to find freedom. For more information, including locations, service times, which small groups to participate in, please visit our website at lifepointchurch.tv. My prayer for you as you listen to our message today is to encourage you and to help you take your next step to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Let's jump right into the message. All right, we are back in our Book of Philippians series, everybody. How many of you have missed this book? How many of you know about the Book of Philippians? Just applaud for fun here, that'd be great. Back in May, we started a 10-week series walking through the book of Philippians, and we took a break at the middle point to go through our six-week summer series, uh, walking through our core values. Anybody get anything out of our summer series through core values? I just thought it was such a great series. Loved it and loved hearing from our pastors here uh, at the church. But now we're gonna finish the book of Philippians for the next five weeks. And then we're gonna do a series called What We Believe, where we talk about our four cardinal beliefs as a church. We believe the Bible is true. Jesus is Lord. You gotta be born again if you're gonna be with God forever and you can live a spirit-filled, spirit-led life. That's gonna be a fun series to preach through together as well next. But right now we're gonna spend the next five weeks preaching through the second half of the book of Philippians. So if you brought your Bible with you, turn with me to Philippians chapter two. And I've titled the message today, God's people need God's people. Let me say it one more time for the rest of you. God's people need God's people. Don't do life alone. Did you know that it is not God's will or plan or design for you to be a loner, believer or loner in your life in general. In fact, if you go back and read the creation story in the book of Genesis, God creates the whole everything, universe, everything from nothing. And he does it in six different days or stages of creation. And at every stage of his creation, he said, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. When he creates mankind, he said, it's very good. And then he begins to reflect in Genesis chapter two. And the first time God says something is not good, And the thing that was not good is that man be alone. And so let me just encourage all of you, you're not meant to do life alone. So I wanna encourage you from this message today that you need godly people in your life. If you're gonna follow Jesus, you need other Jesus followers in your life. If you're gonna walk with the Lord, you need people walking with the Lord in your life. And you are not meant to do life alone. Now, as I get into this talk, I wanna recap a little bit of our series uh, because it's been a month and a half since we were in Philippians, but Paul had written this power-packed letter to the churches, uh, it's a multi-site, multi-campus network of churches, kind of like we're building here at LifePoint, right? How many of you know Paul was the first multi-site pastor? He had multi-sites in many cities, but he writes to a multi-site church network in a Greek town called Philippi, and he wrote to love on them, to encourage them. Honestly, if you read Philippians, it's so encouraging and so affirming. He's affirming their love for God, their love for each other, and he's pushing the Philippians to be a people known for shining bright for Jesus, to be a people full of joy because, not because of your circumstances all panning out, but that your joy is full because you are fully committed to Jesus Christ. So far in the letter, we've seen his admonition, advance the gospel at all costs, repel selfish, live, live for others, not for you. He says in, in my favorite verse of scripture, you know, I've called it my tattoo verse for years, Philippians 1.27. He says, live every moment in every opportunity to honor the gospel of Jesus. 
Have a passion to honor God. Live in a way that honors the Lord. In chapter two, Paul elevates the heart of Christ and the mindset of Christ. And he makes Jesus our model for living sacrificially and humbly. He actually says in Philippians two, have this mind in you that is also the mind that's in Jesus. How many of you know we're, if we're gonna follow Christ, we need to think like Christ. We need to act like Christ and believe like him. And what he tells us, you're never gonna be Jesus. Let me just be very clear. You're not called to be Jesus. You don't need to be Jesus. Don't try to be Jesus but you should still think like Jesus and follow Jesus. That's what he tells us in chapter two. Have the same thought process and the same mindset and the humility and the sacrifice that Jesus had. He says in chapter two, we're to live as godly men and women, even in the midst of a godless world. How many of us look at the world and we go, man, it's falling apart. It's, it's just completely unraveling. And we think the end of the world must be close. Let me just tell you, first century Philippi was as bad or worse than our, our culture today. First century Corinth was as bad or worse as it is today. There's nothing new under the sun and, and godlessness has always looked ungodly. That's why Paul writes to the church to say, hey, you're to shine bright for Jesus in a dark world. So that's what we saw in the couple of Sundays ago uh, into the last part of the series, live boldly for Jesus, no matter what it costs, no matter how others respond. And Paul would say, our real joy comes not from all of our situation being handled correctly or our situation, our realities being good, our real joy comes because we belong to Jesus. So here's what's interesting about this letter. <clears throat> it's known as a book about joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice, one of the final texts in the letter. And it's full of encouragement and strong language about just be an awesome follower of Christ. And Paul wrote this encouraging text full of prayers, full of joy, full of passion from a very desperate location. <laughs> he was chained to a wall as a political and religious prisoner held in an underground dungeon prison, a Roman prison just outside the edge of the Roman Forum, not far from the Colosseum and the Pantheon. I brought an updated picture of the prison that Paul was held in, if you'd like to see it. Uh, this was a view of the prison, you can see in the middle kind of a, a, a wall that has probably been knocked down. The coins on the ground are from pilgrims that have thrown money in there to, in prayers. Um, the only access into this dungeon prison was a hole in the ceiling where they would drop you down, throw you down, or depending on how well they moderately respected you, they may lower you by a rope. But then you're stuck in this dungeon hole in the bottom. Above this, by the way, is a little chapel where they've set up to, to worship the God who protected Paul in this prison. This prison cell is probably 15 feet wide, about five feet tall. So someone with my height would be incredibly uncomfortable. Uh, that hole in the ground is probably where the restroom was. And Paul was chained to the wall, writing this letter to his church at Philippi, encouraging them with joy, telling them how proud he is of them, like smiling and beaming about how wonderful this church is. It's actually rumored, or tradition holds, not rumored, but tradition holds that Paul was held here for his final imprisonment in Rome, uh, which by the way, he was imprisoned multiple times. How many of you know a good pastor goes to jail sometimes? <clears throat> and then Peter, the best friend of Jesus, he was actually imprisoned here until he was ultimately crucified in Rome, crucified upside down in mockery of his Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, by the way, Peter, while in jail, led his jailers to faith in Christ. And there's a well close to this little prison and uh, Peter was able to pull water from the well to baptize his own jailers, which is incredible. So there's a lot of cool things about this, uh, this jail in Rome and by cool things about this jail, uh, it's who was in it, not the fact that it's a jail. But we pick up this series from this 
terrible location, Paul writes some of the most uplifting and encouraging texts to Christians at Philippi. We're picking up in chapter two, starting in verse 19. So far, Paul's encouraged, challenged, and now he takes some time to encourage Christians to embrace other believers in their lives, specifically here, Christian leaders, pastors, and other spiritual leaders, and to build them up. And it's a great reminder for all of us that we should care for who God puts in our life. How many of you know, because godly people need godly people. And we're gonna see from this text how to receive God's people and God's blessing in our lives. This can teach us how to love our pastors and our dream team coaches and our bosses and our parents and literally how to live a life of honor with them. So the first thing I wanna show you as we walk through this text in Philippians 2 is that God will send good people into your life. How many of you thankful God is good to us? And part of the ways God's good to us is he will send good people into your life. Some of you could evaluate the people in your life and go, I don't know if God put them in my life. We're gonna talk about that in a second, but let me just say that's a worthy evaluation. If there's some folks in your life that you go, I don't think the Lord put that person in my life, you might need to make an adjustment. But how many of you know God always wants good for you? Did you know God never is sitting there mad at you and trying to make your life just a total miserable experience? God never has evil plotted for you. God never thinks worse thoughts about you. God only and always wants good for you. That means the people God would send into your life are gonna be people that are gonna be good for you. Maybe you're here checking out this church, you're going, man, why did God bring me to this church? Maybe because God has some things he wants to do in you by being a part of this church or the small group you're in, or maybe God gave you a boss to shape some things in you not to make your life hard. God will send good people into your life. Look at this verse 19. So Paul prisoned, chained to the prison walls after encouraging the people, have the mind that's in Jesus, be a faithful servant, be blameless and innocent, children of God, walk as bright shining lights. And then he says in verse 19, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. If you don't know who Timothy is, Timothy was a spiritual son that Paul had adopted in the faith. Paul was friends with Timothy's mom. They were like co-laborers in the gospel. And then Paul took Timothy as a son of the faith and discipled and mentored him and then deployed him to ministry. He ultimately became the pastor of the Ephesian church. He said, I hope in the Lord to send Timothy to you soon so that I, look at Paul from prison, so that I may be cheered by good news about you guys. Paul, I don't know, but like if you're in a dungeon prison, you're looking for any reason to have some good news, right? Paul said, I'm hoping to send Timothy to you that I may be cheered by good news of you. For I have no one like him, watch the description of Timothy, who will be genuinely concerned for you and your welfare. Paul's in prison, but he's pastoring these people from prison saying, I'm looking for some silver linings here. I'm looking for some good people to put your way because Paul's going, I can't come to you, but I'm hoping to send Timothy to you so that I can be cheered on from this prison and there's nobody I know like this guy who cares about you like he cares for you. He goes on to say, for they all seek their own interest. By the way, I put quotes around the word they, so I added that, that's my addition. You ever notice they say a lot? Well, you know what they say about, you know what they say about peanut butter? Pastor, you know what they say about ice cream? Yeah, it's glorious from heaven, back off. You ever notice they say a lot? Well, you know what they say about car seats in the front seat? You know, like every stage of our life, they have been speaking into it. I don't know who they are, but they say a lot. And here's Paul going, for they, random people, all seek their own interests. He's talking about Timothy as a son in the faith. He goes, other people essentially seek their own interests and not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, 
He has served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. In other words, he's saying, I I wanna send him so fast. I, I want him there as soon as possible. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come as well. It's amazing to see the way Paul talks about Timothy to the Philippians. And he's, he's like hoping to send Timothy. In fact, we don't even see in this text that he ends up sending him there, but he's just bragging on the kind of leader that Timothy would be in the lives of the Philippian church and the kind of Christian that Timothy would be. He goes, some people are seeking God for their own interest, but not Timothy, man. He's a guy who will seek God for you, who will do well for you. I trust him like a father trusts a son. Notice how Paul describes this relationship. He says, Timothy would be sent as a blessing from the apostle Paul. That Timothy would affirm and celebrate good news in their lives and God's hand on the Philippians. Timothy was the kind of person they wanted in their lives because he he lifted up the things God was doing. He would be genuinely concerned for their welfare. How many of you know you need some people in your life that care about you, that care about what's going on in your life, that lift you up, that talk about Jesus in your life? Timothy, he said, other people seek their own interests, but Timothy seeks your interests and the interests of Jesus. Man, God's people need godly people who love God in their lives. He said, Timothy served with me, the pastor, and he was faithful to God, faithful to his word. Timothy was a servant leader under Paul's leadership and a leader to the Philippians. These are the kind of great qualities that we need to ask the Lord to send into our lives. The kind of good people that you want in your life. People who are a blessing to you and to others. People who are good news people. How many of you know, we got enough negativity in our culture. We need some good news people in our lives. I'm telling you what, I can't stand getting on a phone. Hey, what's going on, bro? It's like Eeyore on the other side of the phone. I don't have time for that. We need some good news people in our lives. And that's the kind of folks God wants to send into your life. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying, everybody? Listen, we need some good news. Like anybody else notice national news is not a lot of good news, but we consume it like food. And we need some good news people in our lives, people who are genuine, who are genuinely concerned for you, who receive goodness from you, people who aren't selfish and self-seeking, but are you seeking and Christ-seeking that build your, not only they, they build your life, but they don't try to build their life off of your back. We should desire to have people in our lives who are humble, who are servants, who lead well for Christ. So let me just encourage you with two things here as we think about this first passage. I wanna encourage you first, believe for God to send godly people into your lives. Just just think about the folks in your life and if you're missing some godly character-driven, Christ-centered friends, you need to start asking the Lord for that. Maybe during 21 days of prayer, say, God, I need a friend. I need somebody in my life who loves you and who can love me and just be a friend. The older I get, you know, the, the more I see in folks my age and older, like we just get settled. We're like, I don't have room for new friends in my life. Some of y'all old folks need to unstuff yourself and find some new friends. You're stuffy all the time. If you're new to town, man, that's what you need all the time. But listen, I'm telling you, God wants to put some good people in your life. Paul is such a good leader. He's like, man, I want to send Timothy to you because he would be good for you. It's not for what Timothy could get out of you. It's not for what Timothy could do for me because of you. It's because Timothy would be good for you. So I wanna encourage you first, believe God to send godly people in your life. Ask the Lord to send this kind of person into your life or people in your life and help you recognize when that person shows up. Gravitate to them, don't be weird. You know what I'm saying? But just, (laughs) hey, can I come spend the night in your house for a month? (laughs) Don't do that. (laughs) 
<laughs> Listen, I, I just want you to hear me say this. God wants good for you and God uses godly people to do good for you. Don't settle for less than God's best. So the first thing I want you to do is start believing God for godly people. And second, I want you to evaluate who's currently in your life. I want you to evaluate the people, listen to me, I want you to evaluate the people in your life, the voices in your life, the influences of your life. Like I've gone so far with this, like I evaluate the people in my life, but I also evaluate what news I listen to, social media, I took it all off my phone. I evaluated what I was watching on Netflix and Amazon Prime and what music I listened to. Because I, if I really believe, like I want my whole life to be devoted to, to the Lord, then why am I letting culture influence me through the beats dropping in my ears or the things I'm watching on television or Netflix? Why am I letting the, the DC be my greatest influence or the commentary from the news outlets about DC be the greatest influence in my life? We need to do some evaluation. So believe God for great influence and then evaluate, do the people that are influencing my life have the sort of character and perspective that we see Paul talking about Timothy. He's good for me. He's for me. He, he loves Jesus more than me. Do the leaders and friends and influence of my life seek my good or their good? Do they serve the life and the family of God that we're trying to build or do they take from my life and family? Do you have influences in personal, in person or digital or celebrities that, that grow you in the life of Christ? or pull you. And some people push back on statements like this. They go, well, you know, we got to be a part of the world if we're going to reach the world. I'm talking about who influences your life. Of course, you got to be a part of influencing people for Jesus. You got to be a part of hanging with sinners, have folks at a dinner that don't believe in Jesus, whatever. Those aren't the influences of my life. People say, well, Jesus hung with sinners. Yeah. Uh, he was the influencer. By the way, he's Jesus and you're not. So that's not your excuse. And he never left an audience with someone without them being changed forever. People say, Jesus hung with sinners. I love when people make Jesus their excuse. Well, for drinking, Jesus drank wine. He also raced from the dead, fasted a lot, healed people, spoke truth to power, and uh, ascended to the right hand of the Father. If he's your pattern, he should be your model for everything. You know what I'm saying? Like, give me a break. Jesus was the influencer, never influenced. We can't use that as an excuse to not seek out godly people. Evaluate who's in your life. Believe God to send people into your life that are, that are gifts from God for you. Listen, if ever there was a plug for small groups in our church, this message is that plug. This is why we believe it is important for you to be in a small group. It's important for you to serve on teams with other believers. It's important to have Christian friends in your life. This is why it's important to go to church even when it's crowded. This is why we want you connected to teams and connected to people. All these options are about connecting you to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. And listen, God will send goodly, godly, goodly people to you. We gotta believe God for that. And we need to evaluate who's in our lives and go, eh, that's not from, if you don't think the devil will send some people in your life. Hello. If you don't think your flesh just desires a certain crop and type of people, and God goes, hey, that's you, man, that ain't me. But I met him at church, Lord. Yeah, but they was on the other side of the room for a reason, son. Like, I didn't want you hanging out with, y'all are bad blood together. Y'all need to not be friends. Y'all can hang out in heaven, but not now. <laughs> you might ever know some Christians, you're like, I should hang with you in the next life. <laughs> you ain't good for me. Like, <laughs> 
That's real honest, wasn't it? That was real. Praise the Lord. Even Paul let Judas walk away. He's like, go on, get out of here with your bad self. (laughs) Second, (laughs) so God wants good for you. I would encourage you to pray for God to send good people in your life and evaluate who's in your life influencing you. Second, God will use the people he sends you. I mean, he'll use them for your good to encourage you to sharpen. Did you know the Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so does one man or woman sharpen another man or woman. Some of you are like, I just need the Lord to fix me, shape me, change me. And God goes, yeah, I'm gonna use some people to do that. Sometimes we want, we're just waiting on God and God goes, yeah, I'm waiting on you. God always uses people. God always uses, the kingdom of God is built on people. Y'all understand that our living head is Jesus Christ, but he uses people. Some of you, like, I don't, some of you say, I don't trust church people. I think small groups are full of weirdos. This is not full yet. You're another one and we got room for you, weirdo. <laughs> small groups, they're all strangers. You're strange too. God always uses people. And I'm, I'm dumbfounded. And, and I love that God always uses people not like me to make me more like him. You ever notice wood doesn't make wood smooth? Sandpaper makes wood smooth. And you don't need more of you in your life. You need people unlike you to make you more like Jesus. This was a lesson my father-in-law taught my wife and me when we were dating. I would pray all the time for her to be just like me. True story, I was young. This is premarital counseling for all of you that are dating. Some of you are married who are still praying that same stupid prayer. My father-in-law said to Stephanie once, he goes, if Mike was just like you, you wouldn't need him. But God gave you someone different than you to make you better, make you more like Jesus. That's why God's gonna put people in your life, people from different backgrounds, nationalities, ethnicities, economic statuses, people with different baggages than you. God's gonna use people into your life and and God's gonna use the people he sends you. Now watch this. Paul said, I wanted to send Timothy and I wanna come myself. Here I am chained to this wall. Verse 25, he says, so I've thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. Anybody pregnant looking for a baby name? This is a good one. Think of all the nicknames you can call him. Ditus. Sounds like an infection all the time. What up, Ditus? Come here, Ditus. Paphro. <laughs> I'm having a great time up here. I don't know about you. He said, I've thought it necessary to send to you, Ditus, my brother. Look how he describes Epaphroditus. My brother, my fellow worker, my fellow soldier. I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. I'm a soul. That's where that comes from. My brother, my fellow worker, my fellow soldier. How many of you know if you can't get Paul, you want his brother, his fellow comrade, his soldier in the Lord? And look what he says. He's your messenger. He's your minister to my needs. For he's been longing for you. Epaphroditus has been longing for you all. This guy loves you guys. He's been longing for you and has been distressed because you heard that he was sick. Just so you're tracking This is a different friend than Timothy. Paul starts by going, I want to send Timothy, my son. But I want to send this, instead I'm going to send my soldier, my fellow worker, my brother. It's a different leader, a different friend under Paul's ministry who was very much committed to mentoring and deploying for ministry. Epaphroditus gets another mention in the fourth chapter of Philippians, but he was a great minister that Paul trusted and God used. Notice what Paul calls him. Watch this. Paul calls him my brother, my fellow worker, my fellow soldier, Paul was a great pastor and leader. And how many of you know, if you're a part of the Philippian church, you want Pastor Paul? But Paul's held up right now in a Roman prison. 
And so Paul says, hey, I'm gonna send this guy and he's as good as they come. You can trust him because he's your messenger. He's a minister for you. Paul was a great leader, but he was part of what made him great was he elevated others to do what he couldn't do. Part of what made Paul great is he developed leaders. Hello, core values. Paul was great at sharing the load and giving away responsibilities and empowering others to do the work of ministry. I just wanna take a moment as a pastor of this church, and I just wanna brag on our whole staff here, on all of our pastors, all of our staff, all of our interns. I just wanna brag. Listen, as Stephanie and I lead the church as past lead pastors, we carry the vision, we carry the future of our church, and we carry the preaching load, and, and, and we carry a lot of the weight. But we have an amazing staff here who I call my brothers and sisters in the faith, fellow ministers and soldiers in the battle that we're leading here. Listen, I have to encourage you, church. Every one of you need to look to the leadership of the church as God's gift to you as well. Not just Stephanie and me, not just me as the senior pastor, but the team here that God has put together are for your good. Our pastors, our directors, our staff, our interns are an amazing extension of what God wants to do in your life as they serve you. You can call them. You can trust them like Paul sending Epaphroditus. We send our team to you because God has placed them here to be a part of what God is doing for you because God's people need godly people. I've noticed over the years as a pastor, some folks in church, especially if you come from a, maybe a smaller church where the pastor did everything, it's, here, here's a test for you to know that that's the kind of church you come from. If you call me your preacher, then you come from that background. This is my preacher. I love that, man. People introduce me, they go, this is my preacher. I go, well, I do a lot of other things. <laughs> but sometimes in the church world, this is true. Folks only want to interact with the senior pastor. They'll put in an email and they'll say, I've got to talk to Pastor Mike. And they only want the pastor to pray for them. They only want the pastor to handle their family needs. They only want the pastor to take the appointment or come to the hospital or do the funeral. Honestly, I'm so flattered. Thank you for needing me. But it's not possible. It's not sustainable. It's not healthy. Watch this. And it isn't biblical. I love being your pastor. Are you kidding me? I love it all the time. And please, if you see me in public, I've probably recognized your face, but I don't know your name. Just say hi, and please don't expect that I remember your name. My favorite is when I meet people and they go, I've been going to church for like four years. I go, yeah, I know, I don't know. <laughs> then I ask, I go, have we met before? And then I hear, no, we've never met. And I go, well, that's your fault because I'm in the lobby every Sunday. Just say hi. Listen, it's my privilege and honor. I swear, I love what I do for you. And I'll do this as long as God tells me to do it. But... We have an amazing team here to serve you. And part of our values is we develop leaders. We empower people to do the work of ministry. And I promise you, the leaders of our church are amazing. Brothers, sisters, fellow soldiers, fellow workers in the ministry here. I'm so proud of our whole team and staff and interns. And the further extension of that is our dream team and our small group leaders. Every dream team leader and small group leader has been vetted and approved because they can serve you as an extension of this house. Somebody say praise God for an amazing team of leaders here. And here's why, watch what Paul says. He says, this is why I'm sending Epaphroditus to you. He goes, it's to serve you. Notice what he says. He goes, my brother, my fellow worker, my soldier, but your messenger. He's here for you guys. I'm sending Epaphroditus for you. He'll be your messenger, your minister for your needs. Who's been, and look, Epaphroditus has been longing for you. Man, we got staff and leaders and small group leaders. I'm telling you, our small groups, it's the best thing we do here. And one of the reasons is the groups care for the people. We had recently, this week, I called a good friend of mine. I've known him for years, a part of our church, and his father died. And we've just been friends. We've hunted together. We've done a lot of life together. I love him. 
I just called to check on my friend this week. I wasn't available for the funeral. And he says to me, pastor, trust me when I say this, I can't even tell you how much our small group has meant to us during this time. That's the power of Epaphroditus coming. Could you imagine the Philippians going, well, we're not doing nothing until Paul gets out of jail and comes back over here and serves us. Paul says, no, I'm sending Epaphroditus because he has a heart for you, because he loves you, because he's your minister. And that's what I want you to understand. God's gonna send people into your life that are good for you, that are gifts from God for you. And it doesn't have to just be the senior leader, especially in your church. God puts people in your life that love you, that serve you, that challenge you, that care for you, that you can care for them, you can love them, you can serve them. They would become spiritual family, brothers and sisters and workers in your life. Every one of you needs the body of Christ. Every one of you needs a, a church to call home. Every one of you are a part of this beautiful family that God has given us. You need a small group. You need a pastor. You need a dream team. You need a friend group around you who can do this Christian life with you because godly people need godly people and don't do this life alone. Paul understood the power of God through this friendship. Watch what he says about Epaphroditus. He said, you guys have been nervous for him because he was sick and he wants to thank you for that. Indeed, he was ill near to death. Paul writing from prison saying, Epaphroditus was very sick, but watch this. But God had mercy on him. Translation, God healed him. God touched his life. God spared him. Watch this. And not only on him, but God had mercy on me also. Here's what this is saying. Paul's going, the same God that healed Epaphroditus is the God who healed me because of our relationship. Can you imagine the conversation Epaphroditus has with Paul? Man, I believe in God for a miracle to be healed. When Epaphroditus gets healed, then he says to Paul, hey, Paul, the same God that healed me is the God who's gonna heal you. Man, what a prayer meeting. And let's, he says, Paul said, I had to get healed so I didn't have sorrow upon sorrow. It's one thing to be in prison. It's another thing to be in prison with the bubble guts. Y'all hear what I'm saying, everybody? So Paul said, I needed to be healed, but I leaned on Epaphroditus healing to see me healed. Here's why I want you to see this part. God healed Epaphroditus and the same God healed Paul after healing his friend. I love that God will use the testimony of his power in one person to be the blessing to the next person. God healed Epaphroditus and God used that miracle to build the faith in Paul to receive healing himself. Maybe that relationship was an opportunity to sharpen each other and trust God in prayer. Listen, you and I have the extreme benefit of having other believers who have experienced God's hand on their life who can speak into our life. Another plug for, for small groups. Listen, there are people in this life who have survived cancer who need to be on your prayer team when you get that diagnosis. There's some parents in here who have lost their child, their child to an unforeseen tragic death, and they need to be in your corner to teach you how to walk through some stuff. We've had families lose their marriages. We've had kids walk out on their, on their parents, deal with sickness, job loss, victims of affairs. They've been the participant of affairs, walk through drug addiction, alcohol addiction, church hurt, abandoned. Listen, God would give you godly people who have been through some stuff so you can go through some stuff too. There's a reason God puts you in a family. This is why we have small groups. This is why we have teams. I'm here to tell you something. Listen, don't do this life alone. We've also had some people with great successes. They've lived great lives. They've had a successful, healthy marriage. They've figured out how to be blessed financially and they can walk you through those things as we do life together. God will use the people that he sends into your life. Man, I'm here to tell you, God has somebody in his kingdom, in his church, who's been there, done that. They've been where you are. They've believed God for what you're believing God for. And they have a bigger measure of faith because they've been ahead of you. 
They've seen the faithfulness of God in their lives and they will show you how to believe God for it too. This is why I love our groups. This is why I love some of our, our care groups like divorce care. I grew up in a divorced family. Everyone loses on the back end of divorce, including the kids, both people, everybody loses. And we've got folks that have lived through that and survived and come out on the other side with the blessing of the Lord and they can walk you through it too. We have grief share. These are our Monday night groups, by the way. People who've lost their children, they're grieving the loss of a, of a career or their health. We have reboot combat recovery designed for you soldiers that have been through some things that you've never even told your spouse. You hope to take to the grave with you, but you've stuffed it, stuffed it, stuffed it, and you refuse to deal with it. And we've got others that have dealt with it through Jesus and they wanna walk you through it, reboot recovery. We've got a new small group for blended families on how to walk through living as a blended family. Financial peace, we got rooted. We got all these groups available to you because God wants to give you some people to do good in your life. Man, I feel like Paul, when he says this last thing, he goes, I'm more eager to send Epaphroditus that you may rejoice and that I, the pastor, may be less anxious. I'm just here to tell you, I'm so eager that every one of you would take the action step of jumping in a small group, getting on a team, finding some family, don't do life alone. I'm so eager for that for you. Listen, I would rather you go to small groups than anything else we do at this church because it's good for you. You go, well, pastor's just up there selling it because he wants numbers. No, 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 I'm already in a small group. I already know how good it is. I want this for you. I'm eager for you that you may rejoice and that I'd be less anxious. When my friend's dad died, I was less anxious when he said, oh, my group's taking total care of me. And his brother's sick and they're waiting on, on his passing potentially. And he goes, but my group's been right there with me the whole time. I'm less anxious as his pastor because I trust that God will send people to do good for you. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying, everybody? So listen, here's an action step for you. I told you earlier, believe God for and evaluate who's in your life now. Now an action step for this is join a small group. Don't pray about it. This is my least favorite thing church people say to me when I tell them that something good for them. They go, well, let me pray about that. You know what that's code for? No. I speak Christian. Y'all understand. I, y'all know like colloquial expressions, right? Like, let me pray about it means I just want to get out of this conversation and not do what you're telling me. It's kind of like in the South when we say, bless her heart. <laughs> for all you West Coast refugees, let me give you a little Southern colloquial um, grammar here. When someone says to you, bless your heart, they're not blessing your heart. You're texting your friends back in Idaho. You're going, these people are so nice. They always say, bless your heart. Again, I don't know why you talk like this in my head. What they're saying is, you're an idiot. That's what bless your heart means. You're an idiot in the South. It's not charming. It's, it's, a, it's a, yeah. And the same is true when someone in the church world says, well, let me pray about it. That means no. Why would you have to pray about being discipled? It's the great commission. You think God in heaven's gonna answer your prayer with going, I want that for every Christian, but you're my exception. Don't worry about it. You're good. Not you. Why would you have to pray about serving on a dream team? Let me pray about it. Let me pray about my schedule. Let me pray about how busy I am. Let me pray about the team to get on. Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve. You think the heavens would go, Lord, hush up. Bill's praying about serving. Let's give this guy a pass. Some things you don't need to pray about, you just need to obey about. And just do what God tells you. Here's an action step. Get in a small group because it's good for you. It'll bless you, I promise you. Okay, finally, I gotta close in three minutes so you can go get your kids. 
We want to learn to honor the people God puts in our lives. I think there's a forgotten virtue. I actually want to write a book on the forgotten virtues of our culture, like patience and humility, generosity, just virtues that we don't even talk about anymore. One of them is honor. Honor has been manipulated and abused. We've used it as a way to control people. And then we say things inappropriately and mishandle scripture by saying, touch not the anointed one of God. Okay, the anointed one is Jesus, not his employees. So I'm not the anointed one, it's Christ. You can touch me all you want. Give me a hug, $10 bill, whatever you want. And this idea that you can't like speak against a leader, that's just manipulation. And usually insecure leaders who say it. But honor is a choice to just treat people like God treats them. Like you love them, like they matter, like, like, like they're not your enemy. And watch what Paul says. I'm gonna send Epaphroditus. He says this, so receive him in the Lord with all joy. He doesn't say test him and see if you like him. He doesn't say evaluate his preaching for six weeks. I've been on the risk. It's funny, like I'll still have people that come. This is just venting session of a pastor. Can I just be honest for a second? I love when I meet new people at our church and they start interviewing me and I go, I already have the job, bro. I don't know what you're interviewing me for. What do you believe about blah, 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 blah. I was like, let's do this. Here we go. Let's sit across the table from each other. He says, you receive him with joy. Maybe God's put a boss in your life to be a blessing and to shape you and challenge you. Maybe God gave you a, a doctor who gave you that news to bless you so you know how to change your life to get healthy. Maybe God put a small group leader in your life not to chastise you, but to bring correction because God corrects those he loves. Maybe God gave you a pastor to challenge you because it's for your good. So receive, and I'm, this sounds very self-serving, so let's just talk about uh, Pastor Willie here. Receive him in the Lord with all joy. And watch this, and honor such, that's like an open statement. Like honor the people that God puts in your life. Honor such men and women. And he goes on to say, Epaphroditus almost died for this work. Remember he was super ill almost to death, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service. Listen, Paul's unavailable, he sent Epaphroditus. He would later be the collector of the offering, so the legacy pastor, I guess. And Paul's attitude is just receive him with joy, receive him in the Lord, honor him. It doesn't mean you're a doormat. It just means show honor. Show respect to your boss. Kids, listen to me, young people. The first place you can learn honor is your parents. And I want you to learn to receive your parents in the Lord. Did you know God knew what he was doing when he gave you to them? And he gave them to you? Young people, honor your parents. Receive them with joy. Their correction is not meant to hurt you, but to bless you. What if we start seeing people that God's given us the way he does, as a gift from God? And what if we start choosing to honor such men and women? Man, this would be one of the most amazing things and set apart things that we can do as a people of God, to just elevate people and honor them. I don't mean do it in some weird kind of crazy cultish. I'm just saying, believe that God has blessed you with your small group. Believe that God has blessed you with that neighbor, that coworker, that boss, that, that, that dream team huddle coach. Write a note, send a gift, sit up front in their staff meetings, take your boss or small group leader to, to lunch, just bless her. I'm a huge fan of the honor, of the virtue of honor. 
Don't do this to get anything from them. Just do it because God's been so good to you and he's gifted you with people in your life. One of the ways I try to honor the leaders in my life is with, with regular communication, with notes, with gifts, and just reminding them how much I care for them and I pray for them. Just show honor, show gratitude, be gracious. Paul says, receive him in the Lord with joy and honor these kinds of people. So you've been blessed today by this message, everybody. Yeah, I, I love this sermon. I was encouraged writing it, prepping it for you, but we gotta go because we gotta go get your kids and honor our kid point workers and honor our teams that serve your family. Hey, before you move, let me pray for you. Father, I pray in Jesus' name for your church to be blessed and favored of the Lord, that we would receive God's people with joy and honor and gladness. That God, we would spend time evaluating those who are in our lives and we would make appropriate adjustments to those relationships, that we would connect better to God's people, grow together, receiving with joy the people God has placed in our lives. God, we can do that practically in groups and on dream teams. But I thank you, Lord, that we would have a desire as God's people to grow in relationship with godly people. Lord, would you send good people into our lives? Would you make it clear who we're to follow and listen to and honor, and show deference to and rejoice that they're a part of our lives? God, we commit that we will treat people, we'll honor people and we'll love people that you've given us. We'll find ourselves growing in love for Christ because you bring your people into our lives. What a privilege it is to serve you, Lord. Can I ask everyone in the room, just open your hands to the Lord. Just in a receiving posture, it's almost a sign to the Lord that says, God, I'll receive the people you put in my life. Come on. Everybody just pray this with me. We're gonna, we're gonna pray a prayer of this, for this message, but also, again, to receive the greatest friend ever, which is the Lord Jesus, who has given us his Holy Spirit to live on the inside of us, to dwell with us, to help us. So let me just invite everyone to receive Christ and the, the Spirit of God again today. Come on, pray this with me. Say, God, I've heard your word. I believe what I heard and I receive it by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I commit myself to go all in, in your family, in your kingdom, to give my life to this house, to this family of God, to who you've called me to. And I receive by faith godly people that you will put into my life to speak into me, to care for me and my family, that I can care for them as well. Thank you, Lord, for the greatest friend, Jesus Christ. I receive by faith the Lord Jesus gave his life for me, died on a cross for my sin, raised from the dead to give me eternal life. By faith, I confess my sins, I receive your salvation, and I receive the friend, the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, to God be the glory. Amen, everybody. Come on, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to our message. My prayer for you is that you've been inspired and challenged by the message and also moved in your devotion to Jesus. If you'd like to grow in your walk with Jesus Christ, stay connected or even partner with us through generosity, please be sure to visit our website at lifepointchurch.tv. We hope you have a blessed week and we will see you next Sunday.